great job. They're going to come back in a few minutes and help me out. But uh, as you look around the room, you see there's a lot of little folks with us today. And that's a tremendous thing. Uh, we're doing this once a quarter where we have the youth band's going to lead worship. The kids also have their band. They're going to participate. But the kids will stay in the sanctuary with us, kind of a family day. And uh, uh, we had notes for the children. Uh, and there's a little picture on the screen. If you didn't get these little, you know, where they can, they can take notes during the message. If you didn't get it, I'd run out to the lobby and get one because they tell me there's some key words that you're going to listen for. The words worship, bow, and praise. And every time you hear it, you write a little mark. And if you bring it next Sunday, then they'll give you a token. So uh, how many know everybody loves tokens? And uh, if, you're, if you're an adult and you'd like a token, too, to get you some M&Ms, I'd run out and get me one of those. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I saw it. Send your husband. Make him go. Nobody will be embarrassed. But anyway, super glad everybody is here today. Hey, let me just say this, uh, this whole new beginnings that Pastor Mike was talking about earlier. I want to just say thank you for giving. Uh, many of you have given sacrificially. Many of us have given consistently over the last two years. And uh, that's why we're able to be here. And I just want to say thanks. Uh, it was a three-year commitment. My wife and I have signed up for our third year. And uh, the same thing that we started at the beginning, we're going to continue going forwards. And I invite you to do that with us. Um, as they showed you, we're going to build a big playground out for the kids out there. And uh, we're going to do our best. I'm going to make a commitment to you as the lead pastor to uh, pay off our mortgage as quick as we can. Uh, how, many know, how many believe in being out of debt? Yeah, sometimes, you know, you have to do it. And uh, God has really blessed us so far. We have an accepted contract on this land out behind us, and we're going to be able to pay cash for it. So, I mean, God blessed us. And uh, uh, if you notice in our bulletin each week, we kind of update on our, on our tithes and offerings. We had a great quarter last time, and uh, we put an extra $50,000 towards the mortgage. So that's a big statement just to say that we're going to pay that thing off and have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest uh, largely in ministry. Linnell, I want you to stand up. Uh, we're going to pray before I preach for our missions team. Uh, we've got a group. If you're going to Mexico with Linnell uh, this week, next weekend, would you stand up right now? Anybody in the congregation? Uh, yeah, we have several that are here. We had a lot of them that were here last service. And uh, honey, tell us what y'all are doing real quickly. We are flying to Chiapas, Mexico, and we're going to be working with the indigenous people in southern Mexico, doing women's conferences, children's ministry, leadership ministry, building construction for a home for one of the leaders down there. And um, we're going to have an incredible trip. We've got 14 uh, people traveling with us, and um, we really appreciate your prayers over us. Safe traveling mercies, ministry, and anointing throughout the mountains where we'll be going, and um, we leave Saturday morning early. Saturday morning early. Praise the Lord. Let's pray for them. Lord, bless this group as they go. They are obeying the great commission that says go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. They're going not only sharing words, but they're sharing the love of God. They're building houses for uh, a Christian leader there that uh, has a dilapidated home. They're reaching the poorest of the poor, and they're bringing the good news of Christ. Lord, bless them as they travel. L let everything be safe. Uh, let them have great fruit for all eternity, and let them come home safely. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it? Amen. Amen. Give them a big hand. We're super proud of them. Okay, kids, here we go now. We're doing a new series called Let the Worshippers Arise. Oh, more kids got it. They're supposed to say praise the Lord every time they hear that. 
So we're going to try one more time. The big kids can jump in too. We're doing a series called Let the Worshipers Arise. Yeah, there we go. Remember, this is the third in the series. And the first week, I want to go back to the first week. I gave you a basic definition of worship. And when I say worship or praise, they're basically synonymous. A little different, but basically the same. Uh, but basically, uh, we learned that worship is how we express our love and devotion to God. Worship is how we express our love and devotion. And remember, we saw two big ways. Most importantly, it's how we live our life. In other words, when I treat my enemies in a loving fashion, when I love people, uh, when I work with excellence on the job, uh, when I raise my children to know the Lord, all these are biblical commands, and these can be an act of worship by the way that we live. But the second thing we talked about is how we express our worship. Remember, we talked about singing. We talked about clapping. We talked about kneeling. Well, that's the part that we're going to focus on and go deeper on today. And what I want to do today is I'm going to kind of share this message in three parts. First, we're going to talk about joyful expressions of praise. Uh, I'll show you what the Bible says about clapping, about shouting, about dancing. Then we're going to talk about reverent expressions of worship. We'll talk about kneeling before God, bowing. We'll talk about even people that laid on their face before God. And then we're going to kind of go in the middle of expressions that can go either way. How many know singing can either be a, a, a joyful singing or it can be a, a reverent, worshipful singing? Uh, same thing about raising our hands. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, the series continues, Let the Worshippers Arise. There you go, part three. Okay, let's begin uh, Psalm 47.1, expressions of joy in worship. And let me begin by saying this. I was not raised in a church that worshiped the way that we do now. Anybody say, I'm with you, preacher? Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying I was not raised in a church that was expressive in their worship. Uh, I was raised in a little country Methodist church. Uh, we had a song service. Uh, we had a pianist, uh, and uh, Miss, her name was Miss Green. And the only time you raised your hand was if you wanted her to play a special song. You would lift your hand, and I want to pray, he lives, or whatever the case is. And, and it was wonderful, tender, joyful worship in that little Methodist church. Uh, but when I encountered some of these other expressions of worship, uh, it was well, first, I, was, I, I, I didn't understand it. I was a little confused by it because our greatest, our greatest um, interpreter, I guess, or our sense of right and wrong about what you do in church comes from what we experienced in our childhood. And it was a stretch for me to get over what I did and then step towards what the Bible teaches about what I can do in worship. And I found it is extremely liberating. So let me share this journey with you. The first joyful expression is clapping and shouting. And I share them together. Psalm 47, 1, uh, say this with me. It says to clap your, clap your hands. Clap your hands, all people. And then what? Shout, Shout to God with loud songs of joy. The New Living Translation says, come everyone, not just you that are extroverts, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Now, the idea of praising, how many know we praise people all the time for what they do when they do something good? I mean, if you 
I don't know, let's say if you uh, uh, go to a performance at the Perot, and uh, after it's over, the, uh, the uh, entertainers or performers came out, they take a bow, what do people do? They stand up and they clap their hands because they're giving them praise, and it's proper. At a football game, there's football praise. Um, you know, if, in your, uh, if your company has an employee of the month and they get a $100 gift card to, I don't know, your favorite restaurant, a $100 gift card to walk-ons, and uh, all the employees are there and the boss calls up, you know, whoever the, the gal is, and she comes up and she gets a prize and everybody says, you go, girl, and they clap their hands and they're just excited about it. Well, praise is a natural thing that we do to express our approval, our gratitude, the recognition. But now this talks about let our praise be extended to God. Because, friends, if we can praise athletes and performers, how much more should we praise Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? He is the one that's worthy of praise. Uh, and expressive praise is how we do this. I think because of my upbringing, clapping, certainly shouting, uh, it initially to me seemed a little disrespectful or it lacked reverence. But can I tell you, from a Bible point of view, it doesn't. From a Bible point of view, there is a time for reverent worship, as we'll see. There's a time to be quiet, to be still. But there's also a time to express joyful praise. And what we do is we don't just come in here haphazardly and say, well, I think I'm going to, you know, start clapping and shouting real loud. And somebody over here is, well, I'm just going to kneel on my knees and, and we're doing everything. There's a flow in corporate worship. When there's joy, we respond joyfully. When there's quietness, we respond with reverence. And we're kind of one voice because the last thing you want to do is draw attention to yourself in worship. I mean, you know, Jesus is the one that's the object of our, of our worship. But uh, anyway, let's look at another one that kind of takes a step beyond uh, clapping and shouting. It's dancing. Now, this may surprise you, but did you know that the, the Bible teaches that dance can be a form of worship? Uh, Psalm 149, verse 3, uh, the Psalms were written by and large by David. David was called a psalmist. Uh, uh, these Psalms uh, are often translated as the word song. Uh, these Psalms can be sung. Uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't have Bibles collected together like we do and printed today. Uh, certainly, they had some parchments. They had, they had some scrolls. But by and large, portions of Scripture were memorized, and it would often be memorized to with to music to a sound and uh, literally many of the psalms uh, are, are, are what's called an acrostic which means the they, they begin with the first second third fourth letter of the alphabet and it was kind of a memory jog but uh, but dancing was a part of it Psalm 149 verse 3 it says praise his name with dancing. with dancing accompanied by the tambourine and the harp I used to think I was, a, uh, was a, a good tambourine player until the band told me I got them so off beat that they took it away. I still grieve over this. Are there any counselors that are here today that could help me in my rejection? No, I'm just teasing. But, but their worship was very expressive. Now, here's the difference. Dance, by definition, a biblical dance, meant to dance in a ring or to whirl around, to twirl around. When we think of modern dance today, modern dance is typically seductive. Modern dance is sexual. Modern dance is not modest. 
but biblical dance with both modest and, and it was, it, it, in other words, it was not a sexual kind of dance like you see much of what we do today. Uh, it, was, it was something that was proper and it was given to the Lord as an act of worship. Uh, usually there were songs, there were instruments, and, and this was practiced in the life of ancient Israel. But I want you to see that dancing is a way to celebrate the goodness of God. Let me just say that. Dancing is a way to celebrate the goodness of God. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 11, it says, You have turned my mourning into joyful, joyful dancing. In other words, I was sad. I was bummed out. I was unhappy. And then God did something. God turned it around. And now I have a joyful dance. There's some life in my feet. Um, I was thinking the other day, I went to the dentist. I, well, I was at home and I, and I, was, I lost a crown. And uh, I thought, oh, no, you know, that just doesn't make your week because uh, these little thoughts fill my head, this shot needle that's about that long, you know. I guess it is. I don't know. I close my eyes when the dentist comes in there. But I'm thinking, oh, no, shots and grinding and going back twice. And then, oh, God forbid, what if he says, you know, the root's too bad. I'm going to have to pull it or it's cracked. I've already got myself in the oral surgeon's office in my head in 15 minutes, you know. But I went in the dentist and he, you know, he looked at it in about just a few minutes and he said, uh, he said, ah, this is fine. We just got the cement just didn't stick good. I've got some better cement. We'll just pick it back on. He didn't even give me a shot. He scraped around a little bit. Didn't even hurt before I knew it. I had a piece of gauze in there. I was holding it down. I was out the door and I could go to lunch. <laughs> and I was sitting in the car and something just came on me. I didn't even think that this could be possible. Lord, look how good you were to me today. Look how kind you were. And I got in the car, and the more I thought about it, I thought, look, it, if I, I should just pull over, I think I could just do, dance a little jig. I'm so happy. Well, it was joyful, and I was grateful to the dentist, but I was really grateful to God because I felt God had shown a kindness to me. And this is a conduit to express this love to God. I remember the first time I was around people who clapped or danced in church. It was a little Assembly of God church in Adak, Alaska. I'd just been saved. I was on fire for God. And I'm walking down this long hallway uh, in the chapel annex. I mean, you know, they were, they were kind of, they didn't fit in the traditional Protestant or Catholic service. So they gave them a little room in the chapel annex. All these people have their hands lifted in the air. And I had never seen that before. And it kind of, you know, wondered what is that going on? Uh, and then I, I saw them clapping and, and I was just a little confused by all of it. But fortunately, some of the guys I came with took me to the Bible and showed me scripture verses like I'm teaching you today. And then I had a different issue. <laughs> then, then not only did I see that it was in the Bible, could I get over being self-conscious and think that people were watching me? You know, uh, again, I'm kind of clumsy. I remember the first time a big old feet started moving in a little, in a little dance. I thought, well, gosh, either I'm going to fall down or people are certainly going to laugh at me. So I'm not going to do it. Or when I'd laugh my hand, uh, raise my hands, I would think, well, surely people are watching me. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> so I had to get over my self-consciousness and realize the object of my worship is not to please people. Come on now. The object of my worship is, a, is an offering to the Lord. Now, again, what we do in private has no boundaries in our worship. But when we are worshiping together as a group, I think it's very important that we follow the worship leader in terms of the tone and the direction. And we don't do things to draw attention to ourselves. 
the worst thing I think I can do in worship is I'm, I'm, I'm having a hey old time. I'm enjoying myself, but everybody's looking at me instead of Jesus. You know, you got to kind of, you got to kind of fit with flow with the crowd there. But uh, I want to show you a little video about praise. Now we're talking about the appropriateness of praise uh, and it's called football praise. And uh, I want to, any Aggie fans here today? A few. You, you don't have to be ashamed. Uh, I asked any hog fans here today. See, and they rocked yesterday. I think they played a high school team, though. I'm not sure, but I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. You could play them again. It was wonderful. But, but the Aggies were playing uh, number one Alabama. This is just a couple weeks ago. Number one Alabama. The game is tied at the end, and the Aggies are getting ready to kick a field goal. Now, I want you to see football praise. Game-winning try. Game-winning try. praise at a football game and not in the house of the Lord. Come on. Because, because we're not just celebrating the points of a game and a trophy. We're celebrating the fact that somebody loved me enough to make a way for me to go to heaven, that my sins can be forgiven, to give me eternal life. Someone told me that they're going to always be with me. I'll never be alone. Whatever I face in life, Jesus told me I don't have to worry about tomorrow because Jesus said, I'll put food on your table. I'll put clothes on your back and a roof over your head. Jesus told me, listen, friend, we are worshiping the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the world, and he is worthy of praise far more so than an athlete or a performance at the parole. So there is time for joyful praise. Uh, but there's also time for reverence, and we're going to come that in just a second. Listen, I think my experience is I've been a joyful worshiper for 40 years. And I, I, it, when I go to churches sometimes that don't practice it, I don't judge them. I, 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 all my worship in that vein is a more of a reverent, uh, awe-giving worship, but something is missing. When we sang that song earlier today about God, you are good, you just couldn't keep my hands from doing this. It took two people to keep, and nobody's forcing me. It's just in my heart, and I want to let it go. Yeah. Uh, kids are going to help us out with this. Come on in, kids, because God likes it when kids praise. Good to me, and I sing because 
Thank you, kids. You know, God likes it when kids praise. Matthew chapter 21, and I hope you're a big kid still. Uh, Listen to Matthew 21. Teachers of the religious law heard the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. That's Jesus. But the leaders were indignant, and they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? He quoting Psalms, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Yeah. Hallelujah. If kids are supposed to praise us, come on, how much should we praise the Lord as well? Praise the Lord. All right. Let's kind of go to the other side. That was joyful praise and worship. Now let's go to the sense of reverence and honor and awe in worship. Well, look at the book of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, of course, in Israel's history, uh, for hundreds of years, God warned them that they needed to straighten their act up or they were going to be judged. And sadly, it happened. They went into exile in Babylon. Well, they were there 70 years, and then God brought them back to their homeland. They start rebuilding the temple, rebuilding their houses. Nehemiah comes, rebuilds the wall, so it's like God is restoring their nation. And then something uh, else happens. A man named Ezra comes, and Ezra is a teaching priest. And let's read now verse, uh, verse 1. They asked Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses. So I want you to get a picture. Let's say there are several thousand people gathered around Ezra. There's, he, he's behind a podium so he can see the people. He brings out a scroll from the, book of, from the book of Deuteronomy. And when they see him open this book or the scroll, what do they do? They all... Is it not up there? They all rose to their feet. They all rose to their feet or they stood up. They get the picture. And then Ezra praised the Lord. He, he, he was probably a vocal praise. He praised the Lord. Lord, we're grateful for your kindness and mercy. We are grateful to be here today. We're grateful you've rebuilt the temple and the wall. We are grateful that the future of Israel is before us. And all the people responded by saying, amen. And amen means so be it. And then what did they do? They they lifted their hands. But now notice the shift. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. In other words, they're recognizing the sovereignty of God. They're recognizing the power, the goodness of God. And something inside made them prostrate themselves before the Lord. It was a great act of humility. Now let's talk about reverence for just a moment. First of all, standing is a way to show respect and honor in God's house. Uh, Do we have any uh, former Navy people here? Give your hand to me. What would happen? Let's say uh, if an officer came in the room, what would, what would somebody say? Say it louder. Attention on, Attention on deck. And then all the sailors would stand up. Well, that wasn't because this officer, a male or female, was better than they were, but they had a rank or a position of authority. And when they stood, they recognized the authority and it was a sign of respect. Well, how much more? This is why we stand when we worship. 
when you come to church and, 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 and you know, you're just coming, kind of sitting, mingling, and uh, Pastor Zach says, we're so glad you're here. Let's stand and worship the Lord. We stand not because a worship pastor asked us to, not because the blood flow is different, but we stand because it's honor to God. It's reverence to God. Now, notice what else they did. They, they knelt before the Lord. Now, Psalm 95, 6, uh, it says, come, let us bow down in worship. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, let me make a statement today. I, I think it's, it's a profound statement. Our posture is a conduit to express our heart. You and I are three-part being. We are what? Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And sadly, what's missing in, in, in many churches is the body part of worship. But there's something wonderful that can happen if not only worship from our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions, our spirit, the essence of who we are, somehow connected to the Holy Spirit, but our body's able to express this. You know, uh, when we sang that song, God is good, I couldn't help but clapping my hands. And then there's other times uh, when it, actually when, I, when we sing a song, whenever it says we bow before you or we bow low, I'm hitting my knees because it's, it says something to, to God. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not looking at you. A lot of times I have my eyes shut, not because I'm wanting something mystical to happen because <laughs> things are a distraction. If I get to looking around, I'm seeing things. I want to worship God uh, without restriction. But this idea uh, of bowing and kneeling is something that we can practice. You can practice this at your chair just as easily as you can clapping your hands if you feel that you want to reverence the Lord that way. It's very appropriate. The other one, a little more challenge in church, is we worship. you can worship the Lord with your face to the ground. Now, isn't that what they did with Nehemiah? They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Not an isolated concept. Luke 17, verse 15, there was a leper that was healed, came back to Jesus, and he shouted, praise God, and then he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. So I can see this leper as he's coming back. He sees Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm healed. <laughs> Thank you. Blessed be your name. And then he drops this way and said, Lord, I wouldn't be here without you. I'm grateful for what you've done for me. Now, that can be a part of our worship, but there's, a, there's an added element. We see it in 1 Kings 18. Remember the great miracle of Elijah when fire fell down from heaven? You remember the whole story? Fire fell down. Well, listen to what happened. When all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. So when, when we lie, lay on the ground with our face to the ground, I'm reluctant to use the phrase, but I'll use it, sucking carpet. Uh, but you get the point. And how I many know it doesn't just have to be in church? These worship expressions can happen in your home. They can happen anywhere. You know, I, and I suggest to you, particularly in serious, somber times in life, I mean, you're getting, ready, you're getting ready to go have surgery or, you know, something bad has happened. You may lose your job. I, I think FaceTime is a good thing. Uh, it, it expresses gratitude and total dependence on God. It is a great sign of, of, of humility. Now, I, I want to move on a little bit now. We talked about expressions of joy. And these expressions of, of honor, of reverence and all, let's look at some expressions that are in the middle that can go either way. 
For example, singing, raising your hands, it depends on what we're feeling in our heart. If you're singing a joyful song, how many know you're clapping? If you're singing a reverent song, you may kneel before the Lord and lift your hands. But I want to talk first about singing. And do you know that the Bible speaks of three types of singing? Three types. And let me tell you what the first one is, just singing in our native language. What we did today is we sang in English the words that were on the screen, and that is very biblical, just like we sang in English from the Methodist hymnal when I was a boy. Uh, Psalm 47, 6, say this with me, and get the impact of it. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. It is the most common expression of worship across the world today of singing praise to our God. If you look into the ESV Bible, it's over 200 references to sing or singing in the Old and New Testament alike. But let me tell you a second type of singing that you may not be familiar with, but is of a tremendous benefit that I personally experience every weekend. Uh, I've called it singing in an unlearned spiritual language. Uh, let me give you a little background. First Corinthians chapter 14 was written to correct a problem. Uh, the, the Corinthians practiced all the spiritual gifts, but at the same time, there was confusion in their services. And what Paul wanted to say was, look, the practice of your spiritual gifts are wonderful, but don't confuse other people. Don't, you know, don't, don't drive other people away. There's a part of what you do that needs to be somewhat private in your worship. So here's what he said. He said, verse 15, what shall I do? In other words, because of this, you know, awkwardness here, am I going to praise God in this special language he's given me or, or am, I, am I not? He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in the spirit, but I'm also going to pray in words I understand. Now that's important. You and I have been raised in a world where everything is scientific, everything is rational, and reason is exalted to the hilt, but there's some spiritual things that operate in a realm beyond our understanding. For example, uh, the presence of demons and angels. The Bible teaches us that they're there, they're everywhere, but I don't need uh, some camera to take a holographic picture or to see some supposed picture in a cloud to make me believe in angels. I believe in it because the Bible teaches me it, that it's so. Well, here, here's what he says. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray words that I understand. And he also says, I will, say it with me, sing in the Spirit. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing in words I understand. Now that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit takes over you and you become a zombie, okay? But what it means is somehow, you know, how many know we're what? We're body, soul, and spirit. Uh, this, we are a spirit who has a mind, a soul, will, emotions, and we live in a body. And somehow from this born again spirit part, can, when the Holy Spirit kind of prompts us, activates us, he can cause us to pray or sing in an unlearned language. Now, it's pretty incredible. I practice this every day. I practice the singing in every service, but you don't hear me because I don't want to be a distraction to anyone. But it's, very, it's a great, wonderful worship for me, just as it was for Paul. Uh, the only caveat I, I, I'd give with this, but in church, it's very important that we don't draw attention to ourselves. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, 23, suppose the whole church meets together and everyone speaks in a different language. If some people who come in that don't understand or don't believe, they'll say that you're 
And I want to tell you what, that's exactly what I felt when I walked in that assembly of God church and they were all praying in the spirit. So what Paul is saying, look, the church needs to be a place where everybody is built up. Everybody is edified, where strangers feel comfortable when they come in, when people that know nothing about God, God comes in, but they should sense the presence of the Lord. And as they grow, they should desire to be in the river of God. Because I'm telling you this, the new Testament called it the baptism of the Holy spirit. And usually the Lord Lord Jesus, or yeah, he was the baptizer, and he would give people this capacity, this ability to speak in this language that they didn't learn as prayer and worship to God. I'd love to say more on it. If you're interested, uh, I would just start reading the book of Acts to understand it more, but I've got a number of sermons about that. That's the second type part of singing. And here's the third one, singing a new song that's personal and spontaneous, expressing our love for God. Now, new song, that doesn't mean that when Pastor Zach will often get up and say, guys, we're going to teach you a new song today, the words are on the screen. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about an unfamiliar song. Listen to what Psalm 149, again, David the psalmist, writing in the book of Psalms, what's he say to begin with? Praise the Lord. And then he says, sing to the Lord a, a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Now, I'm not even going to try to sing because I don't want you to laugh at me and I get my feelings hurt. But when I got out of that dentist's office, it would have been very easy for me to put my feelings into words. God, what a great God you are for saving me from all that pain. Lord, I'm so grateful today, Lord, that you preserved my tooth and I'm okay. God, I just want to sing my praise to you because you are worthy, Lord, to be praised. And if I could put a melody to that and sing that, I would, I would think that's a new song. Yeah. I heard Bethany, one of our singers, last night do just a little bit of this. At the end of the worship time, she just began to spontaneously and personally sing from her heart to God. And I don't know what she said, something like, Lord, I love you. You've been so kind to us. And we just want to say tonight, Lord, that we love you and we thank you. You couldn't find it if you Googled it anywhere, but it's this pure song that comes from our hearts. And I want to tell you, it's a wonderful thing to express your praise. Sing in your natural language. Sing in the spirit. And ask the Lord to kind of give you some freedom to sing a new song. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, let me talk about uh, uh, two more. Raising hands. Again, when I went in this Assembly of God church, I'm walking down this long hall. All of them have their hands raised. And I thought, I'm a little Methodist boy, okay? Now, again, grateful for Methodist heritage. But that was not the way we worshiped in Methodist church. And I, I was confused. I thought, what in the world? Somebody got a gun in front of the church? I mean, what's the preacher doing? It, it was different. But how many know different is not bad? Let me read this. Psalm 63, verse 4. David, the psalmist said, I will bless you, Lord, as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. In the New Testament, Paul, uh, Timothy said, Paul told Timothy, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting up holy hands. So what in the world, why do people lift their hands to God? Well, the Bible doesn't give us a definition, but I would suggest a couple. Number one, it means I recognize you as God. Lord, I recognize what you've done for me. 
I recognize your goodness in my life, and Lord, I want to lift my hands and simply pray, praise you and thank you. Or maybe, Lord, I want to be with you. Lord, I can't wait to spend eternity with you. If you have a young child, I don't know, three, four years old, you remember the innocence of that child. When, let's say you come in the door, I don't know, maybe you've got home from work and the little baby's been there and they start running to mommy or daddy and typically their hands are lifted in the air. It's like they just want to run and they want to embrace their mom or their dad. Well, this is a part of it. Again, we're not just worshiping soul and spirit. We're worshiping with our bodies and there's just something about in me you know, when we sang that song today, Lord, you are good. I just, nobody had to tell me to clap my hands. I wanted to express it. And other songs that we sang, I just wanted to just say, I love you. I'm submitted to you. I'm surrendered to you. Come on. You're worthy, Lord, of my praise. Now, now let me say this. You don't have to raise your hands in this church. You don't have to clap, you know, if, if that's not what you're comfortable doing. But let me ask you a serious question to ask yourself. Why wouldn't I want to? If the Bible teaches it and it's a good thing, why wouldn't I want to? And then maybe you, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I, by nature, I'm very shy. By nature, I'm an introvert. But when it comes to worshiping the Lord, listen, I've gotten past all that because Jesus is the one that's worthy of my praise. Come on. I, if, if I don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you another one. Musical instruments. Instruments were a vital part of, of Jewish worship in the Bible. Now, I want you to listen to Psalm 150, again, written by David, the psalmist. David said, Psalm 150, and, and praise the Lord with trumpet blasts. Blast. Praise him with harps and lyres, string instruments. Praise him with tambourines and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments. Praise him with flutes. Praise him with Loud symbols, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Praise ye the Lord. So, listen, the Bible teaches us that instruments were wonderful. And just because they're not mentioned in the New Testament doesn't mean we're not supposed to use instruments. You know, the New Testament doesn't mention microphones and the New Testament doesn't mention podiums and it doesn't mention Sunday school classes and it doesn't mention women's groups. I mean, there's a lot of things that we just do in this thing called church. But listen, I, I believe the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And if there's something that I can learn about, now who wrote the Psalms? It was David, a man after God's own heart. And he was a worshiper, showed me how to worship it. I'm going to follow his example. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, David, let me show you, read you one more thing that I think is really cool. David shows us that instrumental worship can drive away evil. This is interesting. First Samuel chapter 16, a man named Saul is the king and David is a little shepherd boy that plays the harp to the sheep. But notice what it says. Whenever the tormenting spirit, what do you think that is? That's a demon. Whenever a tormenting spirit troubled Saul, David would play the harp and Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Now think about that. De uh, uh, <laughs> evil, devil, down, troubled, overwhelmed, sick, depressed, troubled, harp, anointed Christian music, 
that junk leaves and I feel better. Well, that's one reason I listen to Christian music. Now, listen, I know Christians listen to a lot of music. We all have different tastes in music. A lot of it reminds us from our past. Uh, I was a rocker in the 70s. And, uh, but I tell you what, Led Zeppelin doesn't do anything for me anymore. The Doobie Brothers do not do anything for me anymore. And Pink Floyd, I wonder, was I insane when I listened to Pink Floyd? But that doesn't do anything for me. Other than it makes me start patting my foot and thinking about how I used to be when I was 19, and I don't want to go back there. You know, music gets in your soul. Why do you want somebody singing songs to you that talks about chasing somebody else's wife? I like the beat, Pastor. Why do you want to listen to a rap song when somebody talks about killing the blum, 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 blum? Why would you want to do that? I just like the way that it sounds. Well, get another sound. There's Christian rap music. Come on, are you with me today? I'm telling you, worship music has power to affect us on the inside. Well, listen, I'm done. Kids are coming back on stage here, and I want to close with one last psalm, Psalm 111. Again, David, he said, praise the Lord. And I want you to notice this last phrase. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the congregation. Let me tell you a little story. It's a true story. I, I, I know this guy, and he had, his son was, I don't know, I'm guessing seven or eight, and his son would sit by him in church, and he would tell, and of course, you know, seven-year-old, typically, here's the way they worship, or today, on or, and he told his son, clap your hands, son. Well, seven years old, yes, daddy, so he claps his hands. A little later, I noticed in a reverent song, dad's bowing down, and he looked at his son, and he said, get on your knees, son. Son got on his knees. I'm not sure his son was worshiping. His son was clapping, and his son was kneeling, but worship comes from our heart. Worship is not just an outward form. Just because you've clapped, danced, raised your hands, or knelt before God doesn't mean you worship. Worship stems from an attitude of love and devotion to God. And what I've told you today are simply forms to let our love be declared to God. Listen, friend, I want to encourage you. Let's all be true worshipers. Let the worshipers arise. Come on, kids. Praise the Lord with me today. Hallelujah. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll continue this next week as the kids lead us in this song, We Bow Down. I want to encourage you, don't just watch them, worship with them.
God is good, isn't he? Amen. You know, as we close, before we leave, we're going to dedicate a baby. I can think of a better time to do this, as most of these young people up here have probably been dedicated to the Lord. But they're going to dedicate somebody, a baby to the Lord. But even more than this moment right now, it's what you see these kids. They just didn't take a one-time dedication, but they got them involved in the church, got them involved in the ministry. And so if you'll introduce who you are, your family, who's getting baptized today. Dedicated. My name's Daniel, and this is my wife, my Lisa. Um, this is our daughter, Leighton Elise. And this is her aunt, Emily. And her, her name's Leighton Elise. And this, this is her aunt, Emily, her uncle Joe, her grandparents, Peggy and George. Let me say something, Pastor Mike, before you pray over them. You know, a baby dedication is not a saving act. You know, I believe in the age of accountability. One day she'll be personally accountable to God. Now she's under, you know, the grace of God. Um, but a baby dedication is really a parent and family dedication. Because the greatest sermon she'll ever hear is not one that I preach or Pastor Cole will preach. It's, it's what you preach every day, not with your words, but the way you live your life. This little baby will learn that Christianity is real because of what she experiences in home. Learning to pray, and then when she gets a little older, you'll bring her, and she'll be a part of a group like this. And as she gets older yet, she'll be a part of the powerhouse. And then one day, she's standing on her own as an independent woman that is grounded in God, that knows the Bible, and is secure in her relationship with Jesus Christ. But we just want to say we are proud of you for being here and proud of your dedication. Though she lives in a dark world, a troubled world, an evil world, you don't have to be afraid because God watches over our children. And if we raise them in the way they should go, we can have confidence that one day they will indeed walk with God from their own volition. We're very proud of you. Pastor. Amen. Well, first of all, it's an honor to pray over her. I was able to be a part of your wedding and, and just uh, excited for you guys, but you were interested in the microphone. Anything you want to say? Hello. Hello. <laughs> precious little girl. Amen. Well, let's stretch out your hand and let's agree. Father, we thank you for this precious young one. Lord, a gift from the Lord. We thank you for this couple, Lord, that have dedicated their lives to you and to serve you. Yeah. We bless her, Lord. Lord, have your hand on her. We pray angels will watch over her, minister her needs. We pray for health in their home. Lord, the call of God on her life will come to pass, Lord. And we just bless them. And, Lord, as a church, we just want to do our part to help them raise this child as the families up here. Lord, dedicate, dedicate themselves to help her. And we say amen. And what do you say? Hello. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, young people, children. You know, altar team's going to come up, but before you leave, it's a very important thing. Have you dedicated yourself to the Lord? Are you right with the Lord? If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? And that's, thank God somebody asked me that. Because I really wasn't sure, even though I was in church, it really challenged me, and I thought, man, I need to get things right with the Lord. And it comes by inviting Christ in your heart, willing to stop doing things your way, willing to come to Him and follow Him. And you can do that by saying a prayer. And so as let's stand on our feet right now. Our prayer team's coming forth. But if you're not right with the Lord, if you've gotten off track, if you need to know for sure, if you die, will you go to heaven or not? I want you to meet me at that cross. And we're going to say a prayer. You're going to give God invitation to come into your life and change it from the inside out. Because it's about a personal relationship. It's not about religion. That's man's best effort to reach God. But it's about having a relationship where God comes and lives on the inside, walks and talks with you and has a relationship. And he is the only way you'll ever have peace. It's through the Prince of Peace. God bless you, Pastor. We So glad that you got to come hang out with us this weekend. Uh, but for everyone else, you can be dismissed at any time. And we just pray that you'd have a blessed day today. Yes, we bow.